having that contract in front of me was the first time where I had a lot of stuff going through my mind, a lot of flashbacks of like Pro GK and when we started that the first few months and all the trials and it all kind of was this huge, like this movie was playing in my head uh, right before I, I signed the contract and said, well, now what? That was our guest for today, professional goalkeeper Armando Quesada. And my name is Omar Zini. Welcome to the Life Through Sport podcast. Now, for some of you that have followed the Pro GK Academy channel, you may already know who Armando is. But for those that haven't, Armando is a professional goalkeeper who has played for teams like San Antonio FC, Greenville Triumph, and Detroit City FC of the USL. Armando's journey has been less than ideal, having been rejected by 15 plus teams before signing his first ever professional contract. And as you heard from the earlier soundbite, Armando isn't someone that is easily satisfied. He is someone that is intentional with every experience and has found ways to translate the skills he's learned in his quest for a professional contract to his restaurant business, where he has now been able to open up multiple locations. And for better or for worse, all these experiences with rejection and failure have transformed Armando into the goalkeeper, the man, and the business owner that he is today. Once again, guys, my name is Omar Zini, and welcome to the Life Through Sport podcast. Armando Quesada, how are you doing? What's good? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm happy to have you here. I know you're not the number one in this situation. Abraham Romero was the first, but all things considered, I've always wanted you to be number hey, don't one. Don't worry. Here. Don't worry. I'm used to being number two and number three. <laughs> all right. It's not a problem. I'm sorry. Well, just take that as an apology, but um, it's good to have you here, man. What's new? How are you doing? I'm um, doing well. Um, right now, I'm kind of focused on the off season. Unfortunately, this, this season, I wasn't able to officially sign for a team, mm-hmm. uh, but I was on trial with several teams here towards the end of the year i was able to join a team uh here in irvine in irvine it was a great opportunity for me to stay in team training and now my full focus is coming into february and march to find an opportunity to join a team if there's a trial i want to be 100 percent ready physically mentally and take the most of my opportunities uh, so yeah that's where i'm at right now is it tough when you don't have that continuity of kind of being around a team uh, yes, absolutely. I would say this last season was probably the toughest, uh, not mentally, but just I think of it logistically, like how can I get training, consistent training now? Because now it's a battle of reaching out to friends or reaching out to you, but you you were with LAFC, so it's going to be difficult for you to take the time there. So it was just kind of taking training where I could, uh, focusing on my physical um uh, well-being well-being i yep. guess right if that sense going to the gym taking care of my fitness and all that but it's not the same uh, it's definitely very difficult many of us who have been in the usl nisa league one go through that at times where we're not sure where our next contract is going to be and getting training and preparing for the opportunity can be uh, logistically difficult and yeah. especially as a goalkeeper you need somebody to be lacing shots to you getting real real reps so yeah, it was difficult, but I figured it out. I feel great right now. Uh, mentally and physically, I feel the best I've ever had in my career. And now I'm moving forward. That's, that's great. That's where I'm at. It's uh, definitely tough because every season, whether you're in college, right? Your freshman year, you're okay, you know what? I learned from that year. Year two's coming. So you have the spring season or the winter, then the spring season. Then you have the summer to get ready for the season. So you always have something to look forward to. So I know it's definitely tough to not, I guess, know where the next opportunity is coming from. And then now the season came and went and no opportunity didn't, you know, did come. So I know if there's anybody with the mental fortitude to push through that stuff, it's you. Yeah, at this point in my career, I, I'm very, I would say, at peace um, with where I'm at with my career. Uh, I don't feel like I'm forcing something or I need to prove anything to anybody. I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. If I wasn't happy and 
I wasn't, like I said, I haven't, and I didn't want to train or I don't want to prepare for this opportunity, then I know I'm done. Uh, I haven't considered retire retirement at any point. Um, I know that as soon as that starts to creep in my mind and stuff, it'll probably be time to let it go. But uh, I'm having too much fun this last, uh, being able to join this team and, and kind of be around the guys and all that just really reminded me that this is what's meant for me. I'm happy and I will continue to pursue it. That's awesome, man. Well, Everyone who you're, who's you know watching on YouTube or listening, they know you from Pro GK. They know you from day one. We're doing video shoots at City Hall in Arcadia. Yeah, you're diving on. I mean, I was I was the face of Pro GK <laughs> for were. five minutes, but they I'll take me, it. They knew me as the guy. I was wearing like the stupidest things: a dumb hat, designer <laughs> designer glasses for training. Um, but yeah, you were the guy, and it, it definitely had its. There was ups and downs. I think. For me as a coach, it was and obviously a content creator at the time. Right. My goal was, yeah, you want to get better. You want to train Armando, but I need to get the shots that I want. And we'll get into kind of how we navigated through that and kind of how we found our way into the content that people see today. I would say all jokes aside, I mean, Pro GK was really the beginning of what I see of my professional career. Looking back at it, I can... Uh, I can see how much I've evolved as a goalkeeper from there. And I've kind of seen you evolve from there. And we both kind of pushed each other's in ways that we made each other uncomfortable in a sense, right? Yeah. Kind of calling each other out and uh, brainstorming ideas of what what drills are better and how do, how can I translate this to the game. And so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there that I feel we can we can talk about and how, how we got better together. Yeah, let's get into it right away. I think one of the things that you told me that stuck with me from – the drill perspective one thing you said was hey man once we get this shot because i had, remember i had you do like four or five repetitions because you didn't land properly or the, <laughs> there wasn't a good angle for slow-mo or whatever the the social media algorithms were curating at the time i was trying to to kind of you know create, chase fine, chase yeah. yeah and there was a time when you said dude once you get this shot are we going to do this exercise again ever and i said Honestly, I haven't thought that far ahead, but probably not. And that was the first moment where I said, damn, he's, he's got something here. I'm, I'm really just trying to create content where once I, once I got the shot, I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, I would say, but I would say this, I mean, to give a little bit more perspective at the time I was in college, I had just finished my senior season. I was in the transition of kind of finding my first professional contract. Um, didn't really have any opportunities. I would say zero, nobody called, right? Which was a bit disappointing, but expected. Now that I look back at it, I was like, yeah, nobody's going to call you. I didn't have the most amazing uh, college career. I didn't really have a great highlight tape. There was no reason for people to call. So yeah. um, now looking back at it, it makes a lot of sense. But at the time, I was trying to find a way to my first professional contract, and I knew I had to prepare for it, which was um, – kind of training right so yeah. i reached out to you i said hey i'm at davis i will drive down to southern california on the weekends um, for a few days to get some training in let's try to make it worth our time and so that's where the frustration started at times because i thought i was driving all the way down and we were starting to film and do these drills for social media yeah. and for the filming of the video and and all that so i it got to a point where i didn't think i was improving i was just you know, it's robotic. It was robotic. It was like, all right, we got that shot. We got that Joe. Let's, let's go on to the next. And it wasn't with bad intentions. I mean, we were trying to build something. We got some traction off, off the, the pro GK page, but I think we both felt kind of, we kind of suckered into yeah. what people were commenting and asking for, but we kind of, sh you know, we fixed that. 
eventually. Yeah. And I think like you said, with the pro GK channel, maybe helping you in, in navigating through the, the pro game. And as you got opportunities, vice versa, again, and the second piece of advice that you gave me was, dude, these drills, one, they're not helping me, but also two, are they really helping you? And I said, I don't know. I right now short, you know, short term, I'm looking at the numbers. It's looking great. A lot of people are following, we're getting a lot of traction. It's amazing. But then you said, but also Omar, think about it. When people are watching this content, it's your virtual resume. So our coach is watching this and saying, oh, that's for sure going to be the guy that we want to bring in. And again, whether it's realistic or not, I was like, I didn't play professionally. So virtual resume, whether we like it or not in the world that we live in, that is a necessity. It's everything. It's everything. And you said, put something out there that if you were a coach for a club and you saw that a top club, not just a local club, I work for local clubs, nothing wrong with that. But again, you have 10 keepers inside of the 18 yard box. It's not really taking the profession as seriously as I think, uh, I would, you know, I was trying to pursue. So I said, you're right. Let me start creating sessions that are a little bit more. And one thing you introduced me to was progressions. I never knew what a progression was. You were like, dude, the training, we're just straight diving right away. Can you get me in a position where if it's, you know, working on handling, we're working on low balls, get me on my knees diving, then get me on my feet diving. And then we can start with the movements. Right. But it was all of that packed into one message. And I, it resonated with me. And I sat with it for a little bit and come to, you know, come to the future now. I think, what, two years ago, LAFC, they were starting a second team, the Las Vegas Lights. The head coach at Cal State LA, who was friends with some people in the organization, he put my name in the hat. They called me and said, hey, we've been watching some of your content on social media. It's impressive. It's very much to the standard that we have here. Would you like to come in for a trial? So I had never told that story, but I wanted to thank you because that was one of those where in the moment it hurt, it stung for a little bit, and you kind of, I felt like it was an attack. But in reality, it was more like, dude, just don't get the instant gratification. Think about it. And if you go back, I mean, I'm trying to take myself to the take me. I'm trying to take myself back to mm -hmm. those moments. And it was the definition of constructive criticism. Right. And, you know, me, I'm pretty blunt. You are. I'm going to try not to cuss today. But, you know, I was using a lot. I was I don't know. I was <laughs> maybe a little too aggressive with my the way I communicated my feelings with you. Uh, but it was because it was what I felt. It was, I was trying to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, at the end of the day, you were trying to not, our goal was not to build a successful Instagram page or to get the following and, or any of the likes, right? Our goal was for me personally to achieve that first contract, to develop, to improve on some of the weaknesses, many weaknesses that I had. And for you, it was to develop your coaching philosophy. We talked about this all the time after yeah. training. Hey, um, you know, I'm going to start to apply this and write these downs and you would tell me, write it down and talk to me about um, all the note keeping that you're doing and building your your resume and, and philosophy. So um, it was a process. It was months on end, weeks on end of just constant going back, looking at the film. What can we do? Let's take this out. Let's add this. Um, even though your communication during the videos, hey, maybe I can come in and be more specific or describe the drill you know, a lot of the stuff that now I feel you're applying to your professional life, Yeah, we're, we're, we were slowly organically building that yeah. at, during that time. I think one thing that I love about you is the bluntness in the moment. I don't think I, I, I understood or really liked where it was coming from and how it sounded. But again, now I'm sitting back, I mean, 30 years old, I'm looking at looking back at some of those tough conversations. And I really do appreciate you for that. So thank you for for, you know, just not being so nice. The true friends are the ones that are going to tell you things you don't want to hear. I called you out, bro. You did. But, so that, that, that brings me to this, though, is that 
you're critical of your friends, obviously, because you see the best for them. But tailoring that to you now, do you feel like sometimes you're a little too self-critical throughout your career and you sometimes beat yourself up for things that maybe you needed to give yourself a little bit of leeway on? Opposite. So I feel I wasn't critical enough. Really? Um, so now, um, at this point in my career right now, I'm constantly doing that. I have a life outside of, of football that I, I do a lot of business stuff on the side and I've been able to kind of translate what I've learned with sport into the business side and now have built this person, this voice in my head that is always criticizing, always, you could do this, you could do that, you can do this. And it's really challenged me to build my schedule and my habits so I can almost answer back to that voice, right? Mm -hmm. And build this, like I said, the schedule and habits that are going to lead me to be successful. What I mean opposite is that at a young age, I my ego was through the roof, right? I, I thought it was better than what I was. I wasn't critical enough. Um, I wasn't looking back at my mistakes and I wasn't correcting them, right? I was relying at a young age uh, with my athleticism to, to make a lot of saves and kind of go through seasons at the youth level um, thinking I was better than who I was. I was I was not improving. The performances that I was able to have in high school or in college were solely based on, I guess, I guess athletic ability. But I was not developing at the at the speed that I should have. Um, and I feel now looking back, if I was able to to talk to myself and put myself in that moment, be like, you need to improve your distribution, your left, your right, handling cutting off crosses they just have to be better yeah um so i did not progress as as quickly as i should have if i was if i would have been a little bit more critical Mm. um i was too much of a fan and not a hater yeah i think that's the balance that people have to have at a young age and i talked about it with abraham he was telling me that his dad was in his ear and saying man you are the best you need to carry yourself like you're better than other people that's important yeah it is very important but it's also you can't just drop that on a young kid and not help them understand that there are layers to it and hey you need to be critical at the same time as being arrogant and when you have that fine balance and I think with age we see it but if you don't have that balance at the beginning you can teeter to one side a little too much and that could really mess up your career but interrupt the the proper progression that you need and maturity in that experience your development yeah it's um, you're not going to get better if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and be like that's not good enough yeah and if you don't do that enough, then you're 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 not going to progress. You're not going to develop. And during those years, those are important. Those are important development years. When 17, 18, 19, again, I thought I knew it all. So here <laughs> I am now, right? So yeah. um, again, I, I kind of would I would I would have liked to be more critical at a younger age. Mm. Well, let's talk about the younger days then. You just told me a quick story. Yep. About I don't think I've ever told you that, right? It's no, you've never told me that, but. From a young age, a lot of us, we have influences, whether we know it or not, it just kind of consumes us. And now that we look back on it, we say, wow, that that consumption of that content or that consumption of those games really influenced the way that I played. So you grew up for a little bit in Mexico and you said you played a little bit of basketball. Yeah. So I was born here in L.A. at a younger age, maybe when I was in third or fourth grade. Uh, my family and I, uh, we moved out to Mexico for maybe two years. Uh, when I went out there, I started to pick up basketball. And it was something that I felt that I was good at at a young age. I was much taller than a lot of the kids out there. So I did well. We did a lot of travel ball. And then eventually we moved back. Once we moved back, 
I started to realize that I was not as good at basketball as I thought I was. Uh, so I said at 12 or 13 years old, I said, maybe I can pick up a new sport. I don't know what really led me to feel that way. Um, I saw that Chivas USA on the radio had, they had just announced the team and that they were building academies. And I, I don't know, I just, I wanted to play the sport. I, I wanted to, I wanted to be signed up for the team. I asked my mom and she said, yeah, sure, let's try it. Without getting too far into the story, I'd never played soccer before. I, they brought me in. They they saw that I didn't have experience, but they really needed a goalkeeper badly. So they put me on the B team. Said, "Hey, we have a game this weekend. Can you show up? Can you make it?" I said, "Sure." Uh, sure enough, the next day I went out, bought some cleats, some gloves. I had these like ugly like Reebok pants because uh, I watched a lot of Mexican league at the time. Miguel Calero would wear pants and I'd wear a hat. I actually brought a hat to the game as well. That's crazy. Um, and yeah, I showed up 10 minutes before the game. They said, where were you? I didn't know we, there was a proper, I didn't know any of like, like you need to warm up an hour before the game. I just showed up before 10 minutes before they threw me in the goal. And sure enough, 10 minutes into the game, I got my first and only red card of my <laughs> career. Uh, there was a ball bouncing over the top coming into the 18. I kind of panicked, panicked a little bit, came off my line outside of the 18 and just grabbed the ball. Like it was just something very stupid. Like it just, if you're, a, if you're a parent outside and you're looking at this, like, what is this kid doing? <laughs> um, sure enough, I got a red card. Didn't, I uh, had a feeling I had to get off the field. Uh, but that, that walk was one of the longest walks of my life because I could, I could sense, I can hear the people laughing and, and that kind of the judgment. And I felt, um, I, I felt stupid. Um, honestly, if that's the word that, that I want to use, I was embarrassed. Um, the team ended up losing. They had to put a field player in and you can tell that at the end of the game, people were looking at me kind of funny and, and, and I was disappointed. I went home, I was crying and I told my mom, I don't want to go back. Like soccer's not for me. Uh, clearly it's not for me. My mom said, well, we already paid for the month. You're going back. So yeah, um, I kind of stuck with it from there at 12, 13 years old and um, kind of developed from there. There's... Well, Calero, we know him from his famous hats or famous, I don't say bandanas, but his style there. And you watched a lot of Liga MX growing up. Yes. So at that point, um, I took it personal, right? I wanted to not look stupid again. Uh, I started watching as much soccer as I could. My mom said, hey, well, there's soccer on TV. Look what they do. Look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, and try to do it that way. Uh, it sounded stupid, but it was the best advice I've ever had. Watch the games. It's be a student of the game. Uh, I, st I became obsessed with watching games. So during that time with Osvaldo Sanchez, uh, El Conejo Perez, Calero, I started watching their mannerisms, and I picked up a lot of my style at, at a young age was – this Mexican ex extravagant style of the the switches and the flying across the goal Can and yelling and barking at your defense. I took it to the extreme because that that's what that, I kind of narrowed myself into that league, um, and I picked up a lot of it. And I was able to improve. I watched as much games as I as I could. Um, I remember at the time the games start at 1 p.m. on Saturday, they ended at 9 p.m. So Saturday was my whole day of watching soccer. Uh, random Toluca versus Santos games. I was watching all of it. And like I said, it became an obsession. I, I did start to get better. The training and the games, I started to, to develop my game and, and I improved really quickly because I did have the athletic ability. It was just the knowledge and, and all that that I didn't have. Whatsoever. Piecing it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you went from Chivas USA. What happened after that? Uh, so my junior year of high school, Chivas USA, that academy, the Chivas USA uh, folded. They closed down their academy and I didn't have a club at the time. I couldn't, I didn't have the means to kind of 
drive out to a different like LA Galaxy or anything like that. I didn't really even have the opportunity, so I decided to stay with high school soccer. My junior and senior year didn't play academy or club, and I was fortunate enough to be at a game where there was another top level player being scouted. And I was found pretty much by coincidence or accidentally. I was invited to go up to Davis um, solely because they were scouting a different player. They didn't really come to see me. Um, hey, just, but sometimes you need that, that little bit of luck. Yeah, it was my last game. It was a, a playoff uh, my senior year. It was at Cal Lutheran. They were, scar- they were scouting, scouting this player. He was like a six four nine target forward. He ended up going to the Army or something like that. But, yeah, I, I did well during that game. Uh, and... Dwayne uh, UC Davis kind of invited me up and I went to an ID camp and it kind of went from there. That was the funny part is I was working that ID camp and that was the first time I was ever introduced to Armando Quesada. You, I don't think in that entire weekend you can, you conceded a goal. Yes, that is, that is correct. And I remember Jason Hoteling, who I know and love and is our goalkeeper coach at Davis. He was coming up to Chris Schultz and I at the time and saying, guys, we got this guy coming in next season. You guys are on notice. And I think I was a little bit like, okay, you're just exaggerating. It's just a young guy coming to this camp. But then I went to actually watch you again on Sunday. And just your mannerisms, your personality, uh, your shot-stopping ability. It was all this stuff that I started saying, oh boy, I might, I might be in trouble here. And then that entire off-season, Jay would have in sessions would tell Chris and I, that's not going to fly. You guys need to work on that save or work on that parry or work on that cross-taking or your distribution because we got a guy coming in next season, Armando, who's who's good at all that. So just be ready. So I don't know if you came in, you were a little bit hated. We I don't know if you felt it. but Yeah, I was like, dude, what's going on here? I, I tried to be a little social and be a good teammate and stuff. But as I came in, especially with uh, the older guys, uh, you and Chris, I did feel some animosity and I was like, what have I done? Is, are they just trying to be mean on me? Or I thought you guys were just picking on me, but I was like, uh, I guess, I don't know. What did I do? Yeah, it was funny, but you, uh, you don't play at the beginning of your time there. I think I end up getting injured against Cal State Fullerton. It was my senior year. It was a through ball. I came out to clear it. The guy two foot Similar to me. what happened in this, at the LFC final. Yes, very similar. A uh, little less <laughs> a little less uh, on the line but I yeah I come out guy gets a red car tackle on me but then you end up jumping in so what was the mindset like going into that game but also to kind of like okay I'm gonna be the, num- the number one for a few games here uh that I remember that th- that freshman year looking back at it I was not ready I was not prepared uh, that first year or two was it was a big learning experience uh, it was eye-opening right because that was where I started to develop a little bit more. Um, I had a lot of that Mexican style of shot stopping and uh, I guess communication, if that means like barking out orders, which is not what I, I think is ideal. But I got a lot of stuff from you early, understanding like, okay, I have to be able to lace a ball 40 yards and put it on somebody's chest. I'd never been able to do stuff like that ever. Uh, you know, goal kickers, I was just trying to kick it as far as I could. But coming in and seeing you side volley i've never i i didn't know how to do a side volley coming into college um i got that from you and then being able to play on the left and the right and playing out of the back that was like so foreign to me at the time and i said okay well i humbled myself uh, yeah. my uh, freshman and sophomore year i was able to say you know what i deserve this let's sit back let's watch i learned a lot from you you were end up being big west keeper of the year um and i said well i'm sitting behind that like i can't can't beat that so yeah i did appreciate that time i appreciated you because even after the first few months i think you brought me in like under your wing and and kind of taught me the ways um 
so yeah, I, I was able to develop a lot uh, freshman and sophomore year because of what I was able to watch from the sidelines and what you were doing. Yeah, I think so. Do you have any advice for the young kids out there who may be sitting behind someone who is better or sitting in a situation where, for example, I actually got a quick question here from a fan on YouTube. Okay. Uh, Sefer Ozdemir. Sorry if I butchered your name there, but he put, would you rather be a second choice but in a professional environment where you can learn a lot of things or be the first choice no matter even if the level is not so high? So tailoring that question to the topic that we're on, did you do you feel like being a number two at Davis and kind of learning the things that we were trying to help you with was more beneficial for you or did it ever cross your mind that at some point, yo, I'm not... I'm not the number one here. Let me get out of here. Let me go to a, a different school that may not be of the level that I'm trying to aspire to, but I will be the starter. Gosh, that's a that's a very complicated answer. Uh, I would answer it personally to me. That is, it was extremely beneficial for me, uh, mentally and physically. On the mental side, it brought me down a notch. It humbled myself. It made me realize that there's so much more to learn and that you can still pick things up from the sideline. And how how often do you hear somebody say, oh, I should be starting. I should be this. I should be that. You play that game in your head. You're so worried about what you should be and what uh, this idea that you paint yourself of I should be the Not starter. Entitlement. No, but it, you feel like I think one thing you said, too, recently was to go on this topic is I was working my butt off. I felt like I was entitled to an opportunity because I've been putting in the work. So like you're saying, there are maybe some kids in the college scene or even in high school who feel like I'm putting in the work and I should be deserving of an opportunity. That was eye-opening to me because early in my career, I think I've talked about this in the past, is that I was working my butt off, honestly. I was going to the gym twice a, twice a day, eating properly, sleeping right, doing all the things that I should be doing at a high level. And I was still not finding that success and, and finding the contracts and being able to be a starter and all that. And it was very frustrating. I, I talk, it was toxic, right? Because I was just doing those things because I thought in doing that, that I would have immediate recognition and, and get that immediate reward. Uh, but life doesn't work like that. There's so many factors. Uh, depends what team you're on. Do the, does the team need a goalkeeper? Are you going to be third in line, second in line? It just depends, right? There's so many factors that determine if you're going to be the starter or not, not just only if you're good enough or you work hard enough. There's a lot of factors. You got to be patient. You got to yeah. understand the circumstances. And don't get me wrong. The game is the best teacher. So if you're able to play, I mean, who am I to say don't take the games, right? And nobody's not going to do that because the games themselves teach you a lot. And if you're able to learn from them and learn from your mistakes and learn from your, your positive actions, then you develop a lot faster. So if I were to give an answer, yes, take the games because mm. the games are the best teacher. But 1B would be if you could go join a higher level institution, a good club where you know you're going to be coached right, um, you have a good goalkeeping coach, and as a two, you can develop your mental side, preparation, without having to be in the fire of the games, sometimes that's better. Because then it builds a little fire in your belly of like, okay, once the opportunity comes about, you're going to be prepared. You're in a better position to be successful mm. on that way. So yeah. it just kind of depends, right? Every, yeah. every circumstance is different. but um, So you do get moments when you become the number one at Davis. What was that like? It was awesome. <laughs> it was the first time in several years where I said, I, I know I'm going to be able to play the next game. Uh, it gives you that sense of, I think Abraham talks about it, it rhythm and you build momentum and you build one performance off another. And that's a real thing. So I think what can happen sometimes for players is 
they get the opportunity and then all of a sudden something switches in their head and they say, okay, now I have to do this differently. I have to do this differently. So not, not even on the field, but their preparation. So for you, did you feel like when the opportunity did come and you got those string of games that you had already built a process that was fine tuned or did you get that and say, okay, now I got to change everything up? Um, I guess a little bit of both. Um, I was reminding myself of that. Hey, you know, don't try to do too much. This is your opportunity. This is everything you've worked for over the last few years. Enjoy it. Um, so it was a constant battle of, of some games saying, hey, maybe I, I was overthinking too much or I didn't prepare well enough for the game. And I personally feel I felt comfortable my junior and senior year. I felt comfortable because I was happy with the opportunity. I knew I was going to get the games. I was excited about the games. I, I love the post-match, the pre-match, the warm-ups. Um, just kind of battling in and out competition. Uh, I'm a, everybody's competitive around here. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I kind of fed off that. You were super intense though. I remember before games, you went into a zone that I didn't know if Armando was still in there. So what is that from watching the Liga MX games? Is that kind of how they got into a zone and you say, I'm going to copy that entire attitude? Yeah, that intensity, uh, you know, watching Osvaldo Sanchez just bark out his orders and cussing this defense out and all that. I thought that was the only way, right? <laughs> the only fi- only way to find to get into that zone. And that was my zone. I felt comfortable there. I felt the intensity and given that seriousness to the, that, that was needed at the time, like a pre-match, um, helped me focus mentally for the games now i kind of shied away a little bit uh from that because i thought at times i was too serious i wasn't having as much communication as i should with maybe the 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 guys in the locker room before the match and discussing stuff i was very isolated at the time and kind of getting myself mentally ready i mean it worked out for me but things that now i have changed a little bit to to maybe have better better performances any regrets from your time in davis um from the playing side that's uh, any moments that you felt man my preparation i could have done this better uh which could have yielded better results um again it always goes back to my junior and senior year i could have developed more i could have worked more on my distribution just aspects of the game going back to it, it was like now i feel like my abilities are are way better because i've developed that over time but regrets i wouldn't say regrets i i, I did work my butt off to to be in the position i was i thought i performed well i had some really good games we made runs at playoff uh, so regrets, not necessarily, but uh, going back to being critical, I, I go back, I could have done more. I could have done this, not in a negative way, but puts that added pressure to do that now. Mm. So it, it kind of, uh, kind of motivates me now because, yeah. you know, five or six years ago, um, that, that kind of flies by. So we're in the position now where I can change things now and, and improve now. That's a good point though. I think a lot of times we find out things a little too late in the process going into davis for me i had a skill set that i felt that i was good at i was a good shot stopper i was good with my feet good communicator and i felt like those were the like the staples of my game things that i could kind of set create separation with other people and then you kind of get into in, in davis like you said they went to recruit a six foot four nine so we had at my freshman year we had two center backs ethan shawley and lance patterson who were both six foot four and the first few games that i played I tried to come out for some crosses. The uh, goalkeeper coach and head coach pulled me aside and said, look, you know, that may be something that you want to try and do for this team, but we have, we have t- to the twin towers there. So those guys can take care of all that stuff. Hold your line, do what you're good at, reaction saves, and let's move on from there. So I said, okay, not that, not that they neutralize me in that sense, but I think if I have any regrets or if I can look back on anything and how I try to communicate to young goalkeepers is the style that your team plays, that that's all you need to work on. And it goes to your point of maybe I could have done a little bit more to, to develop. And I feel like 
there are some players that come out of college and they only fit a specific system, a specific style. And we see some teams in the USL, for example, who I'm familiar with this year, they play long. So you have a goalkeeper who's very, very good at shot stopping, very good at probably punting the ball 60, 70 yards and can hit a target. But when they get pressed, they may not be that good. So I think to avoid having regret really is look at your game now and then look at the top pros that you see. Everybody knows what they're not good at. Everybody knows it. You think? Like, no. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everyone's self-aware enough? Self-well or? enough to know that this is my weakness. Is it crossing? Is it, uh, again, distribution, which is the biggest one for goalkeepers now? Uh, but what if But what if your team, you're not seeing, whether it's the league that you're in, the high school league that you're in, or the college league that you're in, you're not seeing certain things that would extract or expose your weaknesses? Or do you think a lot of people are aware enough in that? I guess you're right. No, I mean, it, yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. I hear that a lot, though. Um, saying, "Oh, we don't play to my style. We don't play to my strengths. I'm good with my feet, but they're asking me to do this, that, and whatever." Um, those are excuses, right? You, uh, at, as you get to higher and higher levels, you are contracted to. You get paid to do exactly what the coach is asking you to do to be able to win games, right? That's like it doesn't get more complicated than that. It's black so and white. Black and white. So if you're sitting there saying, "Well, they're not playing to my style." Okay, who are you, right? Like, good luck with that. Try to have that mentality at higher levels. Once you get to MLS, USL clubs, and you walk in with that mentality, they have to cater to my strengths. You as a goalkeeper, you have to be, you have to have a diverse toolbox to be serviceable for teams. It's a resume. As you come in, I talk about a toolbox. You have ex- the distribution, the crossing, uh, game management, all that. As part of your game, a part of your game, you're going to be serviceable. You're going to be able to sign more contract. Coach is going to like you more because you're more available to what their philosophies are. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people get caught up in I, 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 this, that. Um, you know, take yourself, give yourself a second, and think about how this is going to work out for you in your career, and how you're going to be serviceable for clubs and coaches, and and have a long career that way. That's a great point. Let's move to finishing up college, mm-hmm. and something that. I think from the self-awareness side for you was it was tough to kind of recognize, whoa, I'm not getting the offers. I'm not getting invited to the combine. No draft, no combine, no calls, nothing. Um, And it was it was hard at the time. Right. Hard in the sense that I wanted to feel like people were going to call. I wanted to feel that uh, the teams were going to reach out, but nobody did. And sure enough, they shouldn't have because I didn't have the best highlight tape. I'm not, I don't have the biggest frame. I'm not going to stand out visually. So all the stuff that happened during that time should have happened to me. During the time I was making excuses and feeling bad for myself. Oh, I should have gone to the combine. You look on Instagram and you see all these other players that you've played against and Stanford, Santa Barbara, be like, oh, I feel better than him. I should, I should have been called... You, you build this circle of, of BS um, and you start making excuses. And a lot of people, a lot of players make it to that point and get caught there and then, then retire. Mm-hmm. They get caught up until I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have been called and, and aren't able to move past those moments in their life. And I feel proud that I was able to get through that. I was able to kind of look, look at the mirror and be like, I don't deserve any of these opportunities. I have to go find it the hard way build my way up, get some games here and there, and build a career out of it, um, mm. which is what I've been able to do now. I haven't been able to play much, but I'm very proud of the effort and, and the amount of time I've put in to get to where I am now, which is not a lot, but I'm proud of it. And yeah. now moving forward, I don't really look back too much. I'm focused on what's next. It's always been what's next in my career. 
Well, the hard way is an understatement. You finish up Davis. Obviously, you're trying to tap into your network of coaches as you're trying to realize I have to do this my way or do it in a way where I'm the one who's making these phone calls. I don't I'd really have to force my way. I'm yeah. going to force my way into the game because yeah. they're not going to call me. They didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I remember you were kind of just going from trial to trial to trial. And there was one that we ended up going to in Ventura. And I actually have a video that I want to show you. Let's see it. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but with all, <laughs> with all my guests now, I kind of oh, want to surprise you. This cannot be good, dude. <laughs> this cannot be good. Oh, we are God. at the combine. Um, we're in the car right now, just waiting for the, the check-in. Everything feels good. I'm a little nervous. I'm a uh, nervous father today. Armando. What's up, guys? And Look at just that. That's get a terrible. Interview I'm sitting with Armando. there thinking Armando, I'm all cool on my feeling? phone. How's the Dude, week of practice? So like, feeling great. Um, Omar got me ready to, uh, for this combine, and I couldn't be more prepared. There's I'm super no, excited, I and I feel like we're going to have a good day. Uh, we'll check, we'll check <laughs> back in. I'll have some highlights from the day. And here we go. Okay, so that was probably one of, what, 15 trials? Easily, yeah. It was one of them. Um, I remember that one went really bad. Uh, not really bad, but it. I just did not look good. I was focused. There was a few other goalkeepers there that were that I played in college with, and I would say they were better than me for sure at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that trial did not go well. Um, I did not perform well. I just, it's tough though, because when you are coming from a division one school, there is a little bit of not entitlement, but you're not a scrub. You obviously have to showcase well enough to be considered by a division one school. So you were, you were of the level and how difficult is it to go to these and see coaches, maybe not taking it as seriously, or the assistant coaches are coming or the head coach is not really even watching. They're on their phone. So from an ego perspective, how did that sit with you? Uh, tough. Again, you go to this, you spend even there. Uh, Ventura was far from it was a two-hour drive. If we had to, I had to pay for the trial. Um, you invest all this emotion and money and time, and you show up. Um, not to this trial because I, I thought they did well in in, in evaluating evaluating players, but I did go to many others where they said there was going to be a team representative, but ends up being the third assistant coach who's there to just see one player and is on their phone half the time. Uh, so yeah, it, it gets frustrating as a player and, and lots of us have these frustrations, especially the guys that are kind of fighting their way through and, and don't get the calls and don't get the recruitment. Um, you show up to these opportunities and they're not what you think they are. They're not, they're not looking, they're not looking to sign you. They're there to see a different player. Um, and you feel like you're wasting your time, and uh, there's a lot of disappointment. But it sucks to suck, I guess. You know, like what are you gonna do? You're gonna go home and cry about it, and then your career is over. Because to be able to sign for a team, then you ideally I have to wake up the next day and be like, where's my new opportunity coming from? Because yeah. nobody is calling. So at that point, either you give up on your you give up on your goal, your dream, or you wake up up back up the next day and find a different a different camp or a different place where you can go find this opportunity, and hopefully it's a better one. And there's this constant um, process of finding opportunities and finding good ones. There's going to be bad ones out there. Okay, what's new? Like that's with anything in life, right? So yeah, it was that constant battle of finding the best opportunity. Uh, there wasn't many doors, but yeah. there were some there. And I had to make sure that I at least knocked on those doors. Yeah, I think one that sits with me and hurts me to even discuss it, the Las Vegas one. Hey, man, I'm going to Las Vegas the, one of the coaches called me from Las Vegas Live. Yeah, this was so bad, dude. They told me to come to training and just kind of take people through what happened there. Oh, 
gosh, dude, uh, you're bringing back so many memories that I've already deleted from my mind. But long story short, right? Um, I had reached out to Vegas in the past uh, when I graduated college. I sent a lot of USL teams and uh, my resume highlight tape. They ended up was one of the teams that reached out um, and said, hey, why don't you come out uh, for a training session? We're looking to bring in a keeper. Uh, it would be second or third, but we have a roster opportunity for you. Said, okay, when is that? We need we need one by tomorrow. Like you need to come. Can you come? Can you make it tomorrow? I said, uh, yeah, I'll be there. Of course, I was excited the opportunity, which meant training session was at eight o'clock, which means coming out of LA, I had to wake up. You know, I had to leave the house at four a.m. So went to sleep early, woke up, three and a half hour drive to training. Get there maybe thirty minutes before training uh, even starts. I said, okay, I'm here on time. We're good. I'm getting myself mentally focused in the parking lot. As I'm walking up to the tra- walking up to the field, uh, one of the coaches stops me and says, uh, who, are, "Who are you?" And I said, uh, "Armando Quesada. I'm here for a trial." He's like, "Oh, yeah, um, you're not going to be able to train today." And I was like really confused. I said, "I got an email." I I, I said. He wasn't the head coach. So I said, can I speak to the head coach? And at the time, it was Chelis. I'm sure a few people have recognized him. He's he's a character, all right? Um, but yeah, sure enough, I was shocked to know that I. he said, yeah, we're, we, we're not going to – you can't train today. Just out of left field, right? It was very like it was – I was so confused at the moment. I said, I, I got – you guys reached out to me. It was like, yeah, we're, we're not looking to – to bring anybody in. I thought he was messing with me, man. I was like, is this a serious conversation? Like, I thought he was joking. Yeah. But sure enough, it was sure. It was like, he didn't allow me to train. He said, you're good. Like, this, we're not, we don't have an opportunity for you here. Um, so I made that drive out there for nothing. I don't know if it was, they were, like, they've done that to other players or they changed their mind or they had, I think they had already brought somebody else in in that day and then reached, they didn't even bother to text me, say, hey, we're, don't bother coming or whatever, right? So, yeah, I just sat there and said, well, I don't have, I, I, there's no opportunity here, I guess. That wasn't even at the beginning of the journey, too. If that's the first one, then maybe you say, okay, hopefully they're not like this, but you at least have some hunger and say, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep showing up. But if that was, I mean, that was like, what, 10 trials in already. Now you feel like there's a spark, there's an opportunity here, and then that happens to you. And I'm sure it takes you to a dark place. So I got to want you to relive that. But <laughs> the, the darkest one that I remember was your time in Mexico. And... I think one thing that you may have said, you had a famous interview now with Matt Sheldon when you guys had a little bit of an off-season training session, and you said, you know, you go to these opportunities, and a lot of times you think that it's just going to be soccer-related. Like, I'm here, and I'm better than that, that goalkeeper, or I'm showcasing myself enough to be the number one. And then you kind of go to Mexico and different places, and you start kind of realizing, okay, it's a little bit deeper than that. There's a little bit more than, than you have to be better than these guys. Soccer, professional soccer, is a business and professional sports are a business and you start to learn that as you leave the college game and you start to get these professional opportunities you start to realize that there's so like we talk about there's so many factors that go into it um people talk about it all the time favoritism politics like so they're crying me a river like you always know you always have that one teammate you always have these players that are no longer playing talking about well the coach didn't like me or uh, I should have played. I was so much better. This, that, whatever. Every excuse in the book, right? But you also got to keep in mind there's a hundred billion teams on this planet. You maybe it didn't work out for you. You were treated unfairly at a certain club. 
there's so many more opportunities to go find if you're good enough somebody's going to give you that opportunity right so yeah it's, it's it frustrates me to hear people kind of make those excuses because i made those excuses at the time i thought i was good enough and i wasn't getting the recognition of the opportunities so uh, I just kept looking like that's it. it it's not that complicated um, there's so many uh, there's so many teams that would love to have you if you're good enough again it, it comes down to many factors talents yeah. politics favoritism does the coach like you as there are do do they even need a goalkeeper some teams already have those three keepers like I don't know it just depends yeah with all of us too it's it's difficult when you start looking at your friends and it's not envy but you start saying like man I've been spinning my wheels now for about a year almost two years not getting the opportunities that I want. I'm not starting the career that I want outside of soccer either. There isn't really much of a, a stable job because you're traveling all the time and any opportunity you're getting in your car, getting on a flight and going, all the money that you would be making maybe doing private lessons and stuff is being used to fund these trips. So at, at what point did you say, man, like I, I'm seeing my friends, they're having good careers. They're already ahead of me a year to <laughs> a year or two now. At what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to hang up the boots. I'm going to just call it. I'm going to be, I'm going to probably go home and work on some business stuff. Like, was there any point in that? Um, throughout, throughout the, throughout that process early in Mexico. Yes. There was many times where I said, yeah, this is not working out. It's not, it's not for me. I was trying to be realistic. I said, maybe I'm being delusional. Maybe I'm delusional. Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe this isn't for me. Uh, you start thinking of destiny as like, is this even meant for me? Uh, so those questions do creep in. Uh, there was a lot of conversations um, that I had with my family saying, I'm coming home. I, I want to come help. Uh, at the time, my family needed help around uh, with business stuff and all that. And I said, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Um, I'm done with this, uh, which is what I did. I, I left Mexico. I didn't really get any traction, no opportunities, no contracts over a year and a half. And essentially started from zero. The moment I landed, I said, uh, what am I going to do now? What, what am I, what, what do I, what is my neck, my next step? And I would lose sleep over it. Cause there's not a lot you can do. I mean, there's keep training and keep, uh, networking and emailing and reaching out. And it's, it's tough at times, always trying to have to, um, sell yourself and always having to, you have to put in the effort. Yeah. Um, but that's life. Yeah. Well, San Antonio calls luckily gives you a little bit of an exhale. In, yes. In your passionate, uh, a run to make you know get a contract so i remember where i was 24-hour fitness you texted me and said dude i got some news i'm gonna call you okay my old boy this guy's been running around for years i'm hoping that something came but at the time the way the things you were sharing with me the stories you were telling me i was like i wasn't really too um it wasn't much on the horizon i think and then you said, hey, man, I'm signing to San Antonio. They're going to announce it pretty soon here. And I was like, no freaking way. I was like, I was on the treadmill. I stopped completely. I was like, oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't actually. I was actually there before uh, before I even broke the news to you. Because at this point, I was like, I'm going to stop telling people where I'm going, what my trials are. Because what ends up happening is this. I go to the trial. Something goes wrong. Either I'm not allowed to train. They don't like me. They kick me out. I don't like. I don't know where I'm gonna. See. Like all these things happen, right? And then on top of that, of that happening, I get a text from everybody that I told about the trial. Hey, how'd it go? Or how's that opportunity? Or let me know how that. Like I, I hated that. I hated having to explain to my mom, my friend, my sister, saying, "Hey, I didn't really get a chance." Or they didn't let me train or this, that, what happened. So I started to be a lot to myself 
I didn't really want to break news to anybody or more private, yeah. more private. Cause then mentally it helped me. Cause then I don't have to give an explanation to everybody of how this went wrong or not that I was ashamed of it, but mentally I needed to really focus on myself and, and give myself the best chance. So with San Antonio, I was there, uh, the, it was a mid season. It was in the middle of like July, I believe when they called me in for an opportunity, I showed well and yeah, I signed the contract and I was able to come in and uh, kind of work my way up to be a number two there. And that was my first contract. Uh, One thing I love that you did say in that, you know, Shelly interview was that when the contract was sitting in front of me, a lot of thoughts come into your mind and you start thinking, wow, all that work, everything that I've done is coming to fruition in this moment as I sign this paper. But I think for you, you were saying while I was signing that and it was a big moment for me in my career, I also had this epiphany that signing this paper doesn't make me a professional athlete. It's that process and that grind and that grit that I've had to show myself, show up for yourself every single day. And that is what makes you a professional athlete. So again, for everyone listening, young kids out there, for you, can you reflect on that moment? Because it was a very raw moment in that interview when you said it. And I was I was thinking, man, what self-awareness, but also to good understanding of you can sign a paper for any club and nothing ever happens, but it's about how you and you and your personal experience in those moments. So share me that. Uh, yes, there's this big obsession and I understand where it's from. I mean, you see it on, on Instagram and YouTube, these like clickbait, um, you know, um, captions do this to sign your first professional contract, do this if you want to be a pro. And there's this obsession with this glamorous life of being a professional football player and the status of it, right? At a young age, you fall in love with the status that you see watching the Premier League and hearing about how much money these players make and the cars they drive and all that. I think lots of us, even including myself, fall in love with the status, um, but then don't realize there's so much more to get to that point and the things that you can get out of the game without having to reach those high levels. A lot of life lessons and things that you can develop as a person that the sport can teach you, that you can apply to all aspects of your life. Being more specific to what we're talking about here, having that contract in front of me was the first time where I had a lot of stuff going through my mind, a lot of flashbacks of like Pro GK and when we started that the first few months and all the trials and it all kind of was this huge, like this movie was playing in my head uh, right before I, I signed the contract and said, well, now what, right? I, I didn't feel fulfilled. Like I didn't feel when I signed the contract and I called my, I said, I signed my contract, but I wasn't genuinely excited. I wasn't, not that I wasn't excited, but it wasn't the end all be all at that point anymore. Uh, like it was a year and a half ago. I said, if I just sign the contract, I can, ha I can retire happily. Like I just want to be able to sign the contract and say I was a pro. When I signed the contract, I was like, okay, well, train what's what's next that that was always in my head at that time what's next now i felt that i hit a point mentally where now i was really focused on how to be a good teammate how to prepare for games how to treat my body right sleep right eat right i had developed all those things at that time and then signing the contract was just it just made sense at the time i use the word makes uh, the phrase makes sense um a lot of stuff was like okay now what's next in my process Mm. which is, I said, okay, well, I signed the contract. Now it's be able to play in a game. And that was my goal. I said, what do I have to do to play in a game? And it's going to be a lot of factors. Get better, you know, have the opportunity. Something needs to happen for, for that to come up. And opportunities are different for everybody. Yeah. I think it's also very difficult when you are with the team, you sign with them. It's can be a little naive and saying, okay, they want me for next season too. They want to bring me back and it's okay. I'll, I'll take on that second uh, role again. No big deal for me. 
the coaches like me, the players like me. I've built relationships here. I could see myself living in San Antonio. And then I think if I remember correctly, that off season, no phone calls came. Yeah, they didn't, I guess, essentially want me back if it wanted to be uh, flat out. That was the truth. Um, I don't know why. I mean, specifically, maybe I wasn't good enough. Possibly, right? Uh, I was. It was my first year. I thought I showed well in training. I was a good teammate. I had a good mentality. I never had issues in terms of being a professional. I pride myself on that. I'm always there early, leave late. Um, so in terms of that, I don't think it was that. I think I was just not, again, maybe not good enough. Um, I had more to develop, um, and that's it. It's uh, tough. You create narratives sometimes. It's not a breakup, but you almost realize, you start recognizing, whoa, what did I do wrong? Did I say something? Microanalyze a lot of things. So I know that's tough, but you kept going, bro. And you should, though. You should. That uh, I told you, you're your biggest critic. You should go back there and really analyze, even if it's not something that you did bad. Like, you can... I, I do this I do this all the time, even currently. Like, you trick yourself into saying, that's the reason why. You did not perform X, like, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Like, you did not perform well. Now you have something to work on. Now you have something to strive for perfection. Now you could be like... I have to be good all five days. I can't have four good training sessions and then one bad one. Uh, pros talk about consist consistency all the time. That is what consistent is about. Being good all the time. Anybody can be great one day. Anybody can have a really good training session or a really good week. Can you have a really good month? Can you have a really good year? Yeah. Stringing it all together, that is the end game. Like yeah. you, you, you spend your whole life doing that. So San Antonio doesn't renew the contract then greenville is a situation where you go out there something new and i don't uh, know how that south happened. carolina <laughs> how did that situation and opportunity come yes um after san antonio again proactive i've done this before every off season i start reaching out to teams personally email all the coaching staff greenville usl league one it was its first year in existence so i said oh brand new team they don't have any goalkeepers everybody in this league will be signed is as a new player. So I saw that as an opportunity. I said, League One is should be my goal right now, as give, would probably give me the best chance to play. And I reached out to them. They, uh, The goalkeeper coach there had actually seen me uh, from Pro GK. So when I reached out to them, they he said, yeah, I've seen some of the videos. Uh, I'm, I would love to see you in person and, and bring you out on trial. Uh, and it went well. Uh, I flew out across to South Carolina. I just brought a few things because I, I thought it was only going to be there for a few weeks, but ended up being there for nine months. Uh, signed for the team and learned a lot from there. And yeah, uh, I wasn't able to play, but I enjoyed the South. Uh, <laughs> I met a lot of friends and and developed again as a goalkeeper. I picked up a lot from that goalkeeping coach. Um, that it was a, that is a big theme for me. Uh, there's a lot of places where there's different styles of coaching and different goalkeeping and different ways to go about it. He was very specific about his mannerisms and where hands should be in set positions and stuff that I had never been challenged to uh, improve on. So, again, took it as another opportunity to add to my toolbox of different way of setting for shots and handling and decision making and brought that in. That's uh, a good point. I think you go through these trials and it can be easy to you're spinning your wheels. I'm just showing up and hopefully they like the way I play. Hopefully they give me an opportunity. But if you're there for a week, for two weeks, one thing I would encourage anyone who's going through trials is, like you're saying, try to absorb as much as you can from the goalkeeper coach. See what are they trying to exert for me? What are they trying to pull from my game to make my case a little bit stronger to the head coach? Take that advice. And then you look at the number one, the number two, and if there's a number three there, why is each goalkeeper in the position that they're in? All of those questions. And like you're saying, little one, two, three percent added to every piece of your toolbox. And I think that is where you start to 
use these opportunities not so much as um oh, and i'm traveling here and there it's more so i picked up a lot in my time there and it sounds like greenville was that for you yes or even that started in san antonio so when i showed up uh my first week at san antonio i remember uh matt i don't know if you remember matt he played in usl for a long time the guy with the beard long beard. yes 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 like I, I, I wouldn't say shocked, but it was my first, uh, my first week at training, and I came in, and they were, he was hitting balls off his left, his right, perfectly lacing balls, side volleys, didn't drop a ball all training session, and I was like, oh, like, like that is the standard, and I didn't have that standard. I would drop maybe three of, I was, I was personally okay with dropping a few. Uh, mishandling a few balls or like shanking a foot on my left, like shanking a ball with my left. Like that was my standard. And I convinced myself that it was a good standard. I was like, oh, I, I shanked the ball here or I dropped the ball here, but I'm still good. Like I'll pull it off in a game. That was my mentality at the time. But then coming into it and see it physically, like having him lace a ball 60 yards with his left foot, I was like, I can't do that consistently. So there, there's my challenge. So I did a lot of that after the after the games. I would stay after and and lace balls with my left, my right. I would 100 balls with my left, 100 balls with my right, uh, intermediate, long balls. So I started to pick off things that I said, okay, I'm going to look at this goalkeeper and see what can I not do that he's doing. I picked it off from Matt, his distribution. I had to, I had to match it or be better. And that takes time, takes reps. Um, that's what I got from Matt uh, in Greenville, Dallas J., he ended up being goalkeeper of the year, right? So if anything I could do is, is sit there and look at it and be like, okay, what can I pick off from him? His game management, um, his communication with his teammates and stuff like that, that I was, as you're sitting back and saying, I should be playing, I should be playing all this BS, focus on like, what can you pick up from your teammate, from the number one, from the number three, if you're the second, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about who's your backup, who's the starter. It doesn't matter. Wherever you're at, my piece of advice, take what you can get from the people around there's things that you might not like or the styles that they're the way they're doing about it but pick it up because in nine months time in a year's time you might be in a similar situation where the goalkeeper coach is going to ask you to do that so if you've already developed that skill it's going to give you a better chance to give a good impression and get yourself on the field because that's at the end of the day what you need to do impress the coaching staff they need to trust you as a goalkeeper and that that's going to give you the best opportunity to play do that consistently and be around enough top-notch goalkeepers, you're probably going to get a little bit better, which is what, I, I, what I've done with my career. I show up somewhere, I try to be a good teammate, and I pick up things off everybody. I don't care if you've played D3, D2, you're a pro, 10-year pro, 15-year pro. If you're 14 years old, there's a guy that I was here with LAFC for a little bit in preseason. He went to Pittsburgh. Not, not Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, Cabral. Cabral. How old is he? He is, I think he's 18 now. 18, Cabral. Yeah. Like there's things that I, he is almost 10 years younger than me. And I saw things the way he was handling balls, taking volleys and his approach on 1v1s and stuff. He's 10 years younger than me. And I was looking at him, I, I, I need to pick that up. I got it. Like, I like how he did that. I'm going to see if I can do it that way. And then add it to my, yeah my toolbox. So it doesn't matter. Don't like, you can pick off something off anybody. Like, yeah. Good it's or an, bad. It's an easy formula to just be productive with your time and the situation that you're in versus, like you're saying, pointing fingers and saying, I'm not where I need to be because of this person, because of that person. If there's one thing, right, that you can get from today, from my podcast, and I don't want to be preaching, but you are right where you should be. Mm. You are right where you should be. And what I mean by that is that if you're living in this world where I should be here and I should be this and I should be achieving this, that you are right where you should be because of the actions that you have taken. 
Maybe it's your bad, your bad networking or you don't have a really good agent or you don't have an agent or you didn't play academy. All those things have led to where you are now. So what do you do? Do you keep pondering of where you should, where you should be, or you accept in a positive way, I am right where I should be. So now what am I going to do about it to get better and achieve my goals? Yeah. No, that's a great point. So picking up on the networking aspect, I think what was very, very intriguing to me was how can I continue to use my network to help you in a sense? And I remember this came out of the blue. And again, you could have quit a long time ago and this opportunity maybe never would have came up because you had retired and I wouldn't have thought of you. But I'm in Armenia playing in the Pan-Armenian Games and I get a call from Tiffany and Trevor who are at Detroit City. But Trevor was the head of the LA Galaxy Academy when I was there. They give me a call and they say, hey, we're in a situation where we need a goalkeeper ASAP. Do you have anybody in mind? And I said, well, my buddy Armando, he's playing in Greenville and I need to find a situation to maybe get him out of there. But I think he could be an option. Okay, please call him as soon as you can. So I call you and I was like, hey, this is a situation. I think they need a number two, but someone who could potentially compete for a number one. What's your situation like in Greenville? And you said, well, I got to work on a few things, but I would definitely be, be interested in that, in that opportunity. One thing led to another. You end up getting on a flight. You go to Detroit and you start your, your career there. Yeah. Um, I guess to be more specific there, like that was, it was towards the end of the season here with, with, with Greenville. Um, there was a handful of games left. And uh, at the time I had a lot of stuff uh, going back home, right? I had some family stuff uh, with my mother and health issues and, and all that. And uh, I would say it was a really bad moment. It was a bad few weeks. I wasn't playing with Greenville. My family was not doing too well at home. Things were not really positive in my life. So hearing about this opportunity kind of gave me a little bit of a spark of hope of saying, okay, well, I'm sacrificing all this time away from my family and things aren't going right at home, but there's this opportunity that that's come about. Like I need a change of scenery. Very fortunate, like I said, networking um, to have to have you help me out with that and and yeah, I got on a flight and it was overnight. I kind of went to Detroit and same things always. I showed up, uh, try to show well and be a good teammate and be serviceable to them. And the goalkeeper coach at the time, I could pick up right away. I could see like, okay, this is, this is the technique he likes. He likes this, that, whatever. Cause it starts to be repetitive. You start to see a lot of patterns and we all kind of study the game from a single, not a single source, but there's only a handful of, of styles, especially here in the U S um, so it helped me adapt again. I felt comfortable. I said, okay, these are the things I need to do is just show well, this is what they're looking for. This is the style that they want. So yeah, I showed out and, and it went well. Um, I became a big fan. Obviously I have a lot invested in you. So I was watching your first game that you finally got a call and they put you in and I was watching and I remember I was going to Cal State LA. I was on the bench and we were preparing for the game and I'm watching the live stream and I would say like 60 minutes in, they call a penalty. And I remember going, oh my God, what are the odds that Armando's first game, he gets a penalty called against him? I, I didn't foul, first of all. I didn't yeah, foul. you it didn't. Was, no, it was somebody else. <laughs> I'll try and put the highlights on there. But yeah, so you, I mean, in my head, I'm thinking. I don't think I've told you this. I'll tell you this right now. Yeah. Maybe I, I've told you specifically to that. So we were playing Philadelphia Fury. I think it's the name, the team of the name, uh, the name of the team. So Philadelphia uh, they were at the time. This was Nisa's first year. Um, Philadelphia was going to be part of that league coming into the fall, and I had a friend who I'd played with in San Antonio 
who was going to be the captain for the team. So he had a, already a strong hold on the team, and I felt he could have given a good recommendation for me to maybe bring me on trial. This is before the Detroit opportunity, before I had already signed the contract with Detroit. I reached out to my friend and said, hey, do you think you can talk to your coach? I, I would fly out to Philly. I'll pay my way there. Like, I just want an opportunity to join the team. He, he my team, my, my teammate, well, my ex-teammate at the time, he said, okay, well, he's asking for a resume. Can you put it all together and send it to me? Within, I already had it ready. Within five minutes, I said, here, here it is. Send it to him. And then he said, wait, he's a little confused. It says that you're six, you're, you're six foot. And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, well, he told me that you're not tall enough to be honest. Like he said, he, word for word, you are not tall enough to be on this team. He was looking for taller goalkeepers. I mean, that's the that's really what it was. So I said, what? Like, they're not even going to bother looking at me? He said, no, we're, they're looking for somebody with a bigger size, a bigger frame. And I, I, I kind of brushed it off at the time because I was so easy at brushing off opportunities. I didn't get met in really. I felt like personally attacked. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I was going to pay my way out there and you don't even want to see me because I'm six foot. Sure enough, I signed for Detroit. Within two weeks, I'm playing against them. I'm playing against this coach who said, we don't even want to look at you because you're not tall enough for us. And I saved the PK. We win that game 1-0. And I go after the game, I go look at him and shake his hand. I look him dead in the eye. I said, you should have signed me. How did he react? He didn't. He, he I remember at the time, I think he was a little bit angry at how the game turned out. He looked at me and he didn't really have a response. It was, you know, that I remember shaking his hand. I said, you should have signed me. And... Honestly, thankfully, he didn't because that team folded about two weeks later. So, so, so yeah, um, it's funny how things work out and stuff. So for keepers that are self-conscious about their height, because I see a lot of that on online, yeah. on YouTube and in comments and stuff is 5'11", too, like if 5'11", too short, is 5'10", too short, six foot, not tall enough. Like it's just. It, it, I don't know. It depends on the coach. That's another factor, right? If the coach is just looking for a specific frame or specific size in a goalkeeper, you're going to have no chance, yeah. clearly, right? So move on. Go find somebody else that doesn't care about that. Yeah. So that happens a lot. You, I hear that a lot. Am I tall enough to be a goalkeeper? Am I tall enough? I mean, Barthez won a World Cup at 5'9". Um, there's plenty of goalkeepers that are not as tall and have had lots of success in the Premier League and World Cups and stuff like that. So... There's your example. It can be done. Is it going to be harder? Probably. So yeah, figure it out. <laughs> it's like a microcosm of your your career is okay. They don't like this this thing about me. I'm not going to dwell over it. I'm just going to find what I can offer and what I can bring to the table, and then we go from there. So, but don't be stubborn too. There have been times in my career where I'm stubborn, where I don't feel like I need to change. Like you don't want to you don't want to become a different player, or sell yourself somebody who you're not. Right? You don't want to show up to a club or or a game or a training session and try to be somebody you're not. Right. You want to stick to your guns, stick to your strengths, be who you are, but be, be flexible. There's things that you can evolve about your game or go about it differently that I wish I maybe could have done earlier in my career yeah. would have been uh, a lot better for me. So be firm, right? Be have that confidence, have that um, that idea of, you know, who you are, you know what you bring to the table and then be a little bit flexible around the edges to 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 adapt to the team, because that's what pro sports is about. The coach signs you to do a job. Can you do it the way he's asking you to do it? Because that's the way he, he believes is going to win games and that's it and if you do that enough you'll probably have a long career amen well amanda i kind of want to leave uh leave you on or the audience on this question and the reason why i have the podcast is just to see you've experienced so much about life and your personality and the values that you have now through the sport through the game of soccer 
now obviously maybe people don't know but you have pretty successful business and it's at your family's restaurant but now you've opened up multiple locations here in southern california and what do you think from your experiences and having all these trials and just everything that you've been beaten through and pushed through these past few years what what have you taken in terms of lessons into your business now um, I see a lot of metaphors. I see a lot of things that I've been able to kind of pull from my career, my failures and, and stuff that I've been able to learn and perseverance and patience um, and attention to detail that I've been able to apply to the business side of my life, my personal life. But specifically, it's just being able to, one, be self-critical, be your biggest critic right, for anything you do in all aspects. Because if you can do, if you can break down every single little thing that you do on on the smallest scale and then on the biggest scale, then you will find ways to keep you busy and improve on yourself with with whatever that is, like learning about business, learning about goalkeeping. Be critical. Understand what you're good and what you're not good at. And then revolve your revolve your life around getting better at those things. And then all the outside noise and all the comments and what people are talking about, it gets real quiet in your head. It gets real quiet. And the only person you're listening to is in your head because you're so busy catching up to the 10 things you need to work on that you don't have time to even listen to opinions or comments or anything like that. You're so busy because I, I talk to, I always say that I'm so busy, not because I have a crazy schedule, but I'm always just busy thinking, all right, what can I do better? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And it just becomes this like vicious circle of, of chasing it. Yeah. And then good things happen. Good yeah. things happen eventually. One thing I know about you is that no matter the situation, you always, always trying to find a solution. You're never going to say, okay, that's just how things are. Some things don't have a solution. Move on. Go look for something else. Yeah. Like, don't don't be stubborn. There's a lot of people that want things that I want to play for this club and I'm going to be 22 and I'm going to do this, that, and whatever. Like, you set all these expectations that, again, factors that are outside of the things that you can control. How about just focus again on the things that you need to improve on as a person, as a player, as a as a as anything, right? Um, whatever your role is, get really good at it. Um, be critical, develop, be nice to people, pick things off your teammates. Um, there's so many things. Keep that voice in your head real quiet. You should be the only person you're listening to at all times. Develop that. Um, keep yourself busy with that, and things will work out. Um, if anything, you develop skills. Right. You may not you might not be able to put stuff on your resume um, this offseason. Right. I'm not going to be able to say, hey, I signed for this team. But underneath I can write, I developed this. I developed that. I developed that. Like I'm in a really good place right now, mentally, physically. Like, let's move forward. And then you pick that up and, and you go on to the next challenge, the next adversity, uh, the next step, next chapter in your life. And you embrace it and become so busy with all these things in your head. that you are like, oh, boom, 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 boom. And you improve really quickly. I love that, man. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to have you here. Some really good points that I'm hoping that these young kids out there can really try to hone in on and apply. Um, any last words or anything you want to say? Um, well, no, just thank you for having me, Zine. Um, Pro GK has always been, I even have a tattoo. I mean, I don't really want to take my shirt off on camera, but <laughs> I have okay. a tattoo of Pro GK in my arm. Pro GK has, has meant a lot to me, not just the brand, but you, right? Cause you are Pro GK. You have, you have always been a person to want to help others, right? There's even what we're doing right now, right? You're, you're trying to put some positive, uh, valuable content online that 
these kids can pick up on two or three things that I might have said, or even one thing that they can pick up off. And obviously you're extremely knowledgeable. You you've been around the highest level of coaching at this point of your career and you're barely getting started. So if there's anything I would say is that pay attention, stay close, look at this guy's contact. He knows a content. He knows what he's talking about. And when he doesn't, he still knows what he's talking about. So, um, so thank you. And, and, and I would say, I appreciate you having me and, and can't wait to be back at some point. Yes, sir. I can't promise you guys that I will ever get a pro GK tattoo, but if you ever want to see one, it's on his, uh, left bicep. Yeah. It's in there, <laughs> it's in there somewhere. Thank you guys. And again, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and, uh, hit a review button, hit the review, re- hit the review button. Uh, give it some stars if you like it and just let us know what we could do better. And, Yeah. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for being here, Mondo. Thank you. Appreciate you.